Good morning, everyone. My name is Norton. I'm one of the pastors uh, here in New Denver, in case you happen to be new or visiting with us for the first time today. Um, we are in week five of a long nine-week series. And so uh, this is the halfway point, and I have a diagram for you today. All right? Who likes diagrams? Yes! All the engineers were like, yes! Because we need a diagram. If you're a visual person, um, I hope this will help. If you happen to just be listening to the podcast, uh, you can always go on our website. And where you listen to the messages on our website, um, we have a link to some discussion questions that go with this message. Because we have a lot of D groups that are actually meeting during the week and discussing the sermons. Um, and this diagram will be with those uh, discussion questions. So um, it starts with the reality that most of us, most of the time, feel exhausted and anxious and empty. And um, you could put other words up there. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, you could put softer words or stronger words. Maybe we feel weary. Uh, maybe you feel discontent. Um, maybe there's days that you just feel hollow, like all the stuff you're doing isn't really adding up to anything. Uh, maybe it's actually despair. Um, but it's that feeling that most of us know and feel regularly, where it's like we're just surviving. We're, we're not really thriving. Now, we all live in a modern Western culture. That's that big sort of blue shaded area up there. And there seems to be a correlation between these two things, right? There's a quality to our exhaustion that seems unique to our culture and to this time. In fact, it's become so constant in our lives and so normal to all of us that we've just resigned ourselves to thinking, this is normal. This is just the way life is. Now, author Alan Noble argues that this exhaustion and this emptiness we feel is rooted in a foundational belief that we all have. And I've called it uh, the modern creed, and it's this. It's the idea that I am my own and I belong to myself. This is the creed of modern Western culture. And it sounds promising and exciting and exhilarating at first, right? It, it means life is a, a journey, a journey of self-discovery, a journey towards uh, living the best versions of ourselves. Um, but the problem, as we've talked about, is that this creed generates really heavy burdens. The burden of creating my identity, expressing that identity, seeking affirmation for that identity. The burden of making meaning of my life. The burden of discovering my purpose in life. The burden of continually improving and optimizing and perfecting every single part of my life. And those burdens are what's driving so much of our activity, so much of our anxiety, and so much of our weariness. And when we feel the weight of all of that, we typically respond in one of two ways. Uh, we either double down, meaning we come to the conclusion that we just need to work harder, or we need to work smarter, or we need to work better. Um, the answer to these burdens we're feeling is found in a new book, or a new podcast, or a new workout regimen, or a new lifestyle we need to embrace, or a new time management plan. And, and if we just set some new goals, and if we just make some changes in our life, then everything will eventually get better. The other way that we respond is that we just check out, usually through self-medication, right? Because life is hard. And when you're tired, sometimes all you can do is cope with the exhaustion and the emptiness. And without even realizing it, our self-improvement techniques and our self-medication coping techniques actually reinforce this modern creed that it's all up to me. 
right? That I am my own. And they even leave us more exhausted, more anxious, and more empty. We're deepening the burdens of our self-belonging. Now, last week was hopefully a bit of good news. There is an entirely different way. And it starts with an entirely different view of our selves. And it's this. You are not your own. You belong to God. And this is a truth found all throughout the stories and messages of the Bible that as humans, we were not made to be our own. We were not made to belong to ourselves. We were made to belong to God, to to be in relationship with him, to, to bear his image, to be his people. The whole story of Israel in the Old Testament, which can be hard to understand at times, is basically about that. God calling a people his own to bear his image and bear his name. But we often choose to be our own, to belong to ourselves instead. And so when we do that, we cut ourselves off, essentially, from God. But if you're a follower of Jesus today, and and maybe you're not, maybe you're just still on a journey of faith and you're trying to figure out what Jesus means and who he is and, and how to put it all together, that's okay. But if you are here and you're a follower of Jesus, then Paul says, God rescued you, he delivered you, he redeemed you from the lie that you are your own. In fact, Paul says that in Jesus, you are now a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5. You've been given his Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6. The life you live now is not lived in yourself. It's lived in Jesus. Galatians 2. And that now you can call God your loving Father. That's Romans 8. And that he loves you more than you love yourself. And he's in the process of making you whole and new again. This is a fundamentally different belief about ourselves, and it should change everything. But here's the rub. It doesn't. So let's put the diagram back up for a second. You would think that if you changed the belief at the bottom, everything else would change, right? You should stop feeling so anxious. You should stop being exhausted. You should stop feeling this emptiness, right? If, if these are all the consequences of this root belief, which I've tried to persuade you of that over the last few weeks, if these are the consequences and you change the root belief, shouldn't you experience a very different life? Well, that's not what usually happens. I'm guessing nobody went home last Sunday after the sermon and said, man, that was... Another amazing sermon, right? You probably didn't say that. You probably didn't say, wait, now I know that I am not my own and that I belong to God. And suddenly all of your anxiety just evaporated and and all of your exhaustion just went away and you felt refreshed and you didn't feel empty anymore, right? In fact, probably very little, if anything, actually changed in your life after you heard that message. And the question is, Why is that, right? If our exhaustion and our emptiness and our anxiety are rooted in this modern creed that I am my own and I belong to myself, and if I change that belief, shouldn't it change my life? Shouldn't I start thriving instead of surviving? And the answer is no. It's not going to immediately change your life. And there's three reasons why. 
Uh, Number one, because you have believed the modern creed most of your life. And it's going to take a long time to change that core belief. You've believed this creed your whole life. It's not going to change overnight. It's not as easy as editing text on on a slide or on a diagram. Our beliefs, especially about core things like our identity, they change really slowly. Uh, For example, if you believe that you're a failure, maybe you grew up in a family where you had a sibling that was really successful, more successful than you were. Maybe your parents, they never said you were a failure, but they also never said they were really proud of you. And maybe you experienced a lot of setbacks in life and, and slowly it's communicated to you that you are a failure and you've been living with that for a long time. And if somebody comes along, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a therapist, and they shake you in your face and they say, you're not a failure. You need to start thinking about yourself differently. And you say, okay, I'm going to start thinking about myself differently. That belief in who you are is not going to change overnight. It's not going to change in a few weeks. It's not going to change over the course of a few sessions, probably not even over a few months or maybe even a few years. It's going to take the rest of your life to begin to believe something different about yourself because core beliefs change really slowly. Uh, Think about the first followers of Jesus. They were Jewish and they had this deep core belief that God was going to send a Messiah to restore and rescue and save the people of Israel. And so they started following this new rabbi named Jesus. And uh, in everything he's saying, and everything he's teaching, and everything he's doing, he's essentially communicating, I am that Messiah. And they begin to realize that. In fact, one of the disciples, Peter, even says one day, you are the Messiah. And so for three years, they're thinking this, they're seeing it, they're seeing the most amazing miracles they've ever seen, and they're believing it. And then Jesus goes to the cross. And they lose all faith. And they lose all hope. And it's clear they didn't really believe he was the Messiah. In fact, even after Jesus rises from the dead, he defeats death. He shows the scars in his hands to his disciples. Look at what Matthew tells us at the very end of his story about Jesus. He says, when they saw him, this is after the resurrection, they worshipped him, but some doubted. If you're somebody who's just a natural doubter and skeptic and cynic, this is the most encouraging verse in the whole Bible, right? That they spent three years with this guy and they saw everything with their own eyes. They even saw him rise from the dead. And some of them still didn't believe. It's like they knew in their heads this thing was true. But our core beliefs change really slowly. They're not a matter of thinking. They're a matter of gradual, slow, incremental, often imperceptible formation in our lives. Beliefs are slowly formed. They're formed as we follow God. They're formed as we live life with God and as he transforms us. But that always takes time. And uh, that can be really discouraging, right? To hear a new truth or or to begin to believe something or to hear a sermon and and pastors are really guilty of doing this all the time. Like this truth is going to change everything in your life, right? And you go home and you believe the truth and nothing actually changes. That can be really discouraging. 
And I just want to encourage you today to say, you are not your own and you belong to God. This is a powerful, deep and foundational truth, but it's going to take time for God to form that in you in such a way that you begin to experience that truth in your life. Because you know what else God has to do? He has to unform the modern creed that you've believed your whole life. So it's going to take time. Here's the second reason things won't change immediately when you accept the truth that you are not your own. Number two is you have deep patterns of self-improvement and self-medication that reinforce the modern creed and deepen your exhaustion. So part of the reason that change is slow is just because core beliefs change slowly, but also because you've adopted patterns and habits and behaviors of self-improvement and self-medication that are going to continue to wear you out and continue to reinforce the belief that you are your own. So if we put the original diagram back up there, you see how this works, right? It's not just the belief that I am my own and I belong to myself that's creating so many burdens and so much exhaustion and emptiness. It's also our self-improvement and self-medication, which means it's not enough to just address that belief at the bottom. I also have to ask some tough questions about myself. What are the ways that I've learned to cope and self-medicate in order to address these things in my life? And what are the ways that I often focus on self-improvement and self-optimization techniques? What are the behaviors and habits associated with those things that I need to take a good look at? And that's what we're going to focus for the next couple of weeks in this series because until we're honest with ourselves about our deep dependence on self-improvement and self-medication, we're going to continue to be exhausted and anxious and empty. Now, here's a third reason things aren't going to change immediately when you accept this truth that you are not your own. Number three, you continue to live in a culture that vigorously and comprehensively reinforces the modern creed. So let's put the diagram back up one more time. Um, You begin to believe something new at the bottom. You can start questioning your own self-improvement and your own self-medication techniques that you've come to depend on. But don't forget about the larger environment that you live in. Your environment, where you live, shapes you. And we all live within this Western, modern culture, right? And that culture is going to continually advocate for and reinforce the modern creed that we're trying to let go of. You see, believing that you are your own, or you are not your own, and that you belong to God, it's not just a little bit different. It's not just a little bit strange, or a little bit odd, or a little bit contrarian. It's not like trying to be a Democrat living in Wyoming or a Republican in Portland, right? Um, It's not like believing that that the world is flat. You can believe that the world is flat and nobody really cares. They might think you're weird. They might think you're uneducated. But nobody's going to go out of their way to convince you that the world is not flat. And 99% of the things that you do and experience in your life are not going to challenge this strange and odd belief that you have. But if you believe that you are not your own and that you belong to God, you will be going against every single grain in our culture. 
you will be swimming entirely upstream against every other message. Because every message, every story, every well-intentioned teacher and coach, every product, every advertisement, every political party and platform is going to tell you that you are your own. That you belong to yourself. That you're the one that calls the shots in your life. That your life is about pursuing your wants and your desires and your own personal happiness. It's about discovering your individual meaning and purpose. It's about discovering yourself, about creating your identity, about living the best version of yourself, about asserting and defending your personal rights, about living and speaking your personal truth. To adopt and believe and live out a radically different perspective on who you are, it's going to be really, really hard. And because it's hard, and because it takes time, and because it's going to require intentionality and patience, and because God has to unform some things in us and transform some things in us, because it's going to require some, some deep self-examination, and because the culture is always going to be pushing against us, because of all of that, some of you are already ready to just give up, right? It's too much. It's too tiring. It's exhausting even thinking about this, right? This series is too depressing. Can we just read a story about Jesus, right? It's like, this feels like it's adding more burdens to our lives. Uh, others of you um, are the opposite, actually. You're, you're ready to jump in and make some changes, right? You're, you're tired of all this talk about these big concepts and these theories and these creeds, and the diagram was really nice, but you're ready to, to hit the ground running, right? Like, give me the, the five steps I need to take to get rid of all exhaustion and emptiness in my life, right? You're ready to change your life, and in fact, you're ready to change culture. Like, when we talked about culture, you're like, culture shouldn't be changing us. We should be changing culture, right? And do you see the danger in both of these whether you're ready to charge forward and give me the, the things that I just need to do to make change happen. Or whether you're ready to give up because there's too much I need to do to make change happen. The danger either way is focusing on what I have to do. And so before we talk about any of those things, and we'll do that in the coming weeks. We'll talk about what our part is in all of this. Before we do that, I want to just give you one simple posture today. This should shape everything from here on out. It's a, it's a physical, literal, bodily posture that you and I can do to embrace this idea that you are not your own and you belong to God. This isn't going to be all on your shoulders. It's not going to be all up to you. It's ultimately about trusting him. The posture is simple. <clears throat> it's open hands. That's it. It's just opening our hands with our palms turned up. You see, open hands is a posture of surrender. It's a way of saying, I'm not my own. I'm yours, God. I offer myself to you. I offer my time and my stuff and my focus and my heart and my life. I just offer it to you. I surrender it to you, God. Uh, open hands is also a posture of receiving. 
God, I receive from you the life that you have for me. I receive from you the identity that you have for me. I receive from you the perspective that you have on me. I receive from you the the purpose and the meaning and the future that you have for me. I receive from you the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the healing and the wholeness and the life that you have for me. You see, if I am not my own, I surrender myself to you. And if I belong to you, I receive whatever you have to give to me. And it's not something that we do with our our whole lives only. You can do this with every single day. You can just wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm opening my hands to give this day to you. And I receive from you whatever you have to give me this day. You can do this with every worry, every anxiety, every opportunity you're given, every decision that you face. I surrender to you, God, and I receive whatever you have to give to me. And do you know what's so great about this posture? We are not the only ones who open our hands. Look at what Psalm 145 says. It's one of my favorite psalms. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. You open your hand. And satisfy the desires of every living thing. You see, God opens his hands to give us whatever we truly need. Our deepest desires for identity, purpose, meaning, affirmation, security, joy, contentment, life. God opens his hands to satisfy the desires and the deepest longings that we have. The question is, are we going to open our hands to receive what he has to offer? Let me pray for us. God, I pray that um, even in this moment, you would help us with whatever it is that we're clinging to or holding to, We desire to open our hands to you. And sometimes we trust you and sometimes we don't. And so we just ask you to help us in that tension. To show us that you really are a good and loving father. And you always have what's best for us. Help us to do whatever it takes to open our hands and our hearts to you today. I pray this in your name. Amen.